Throwback Thursday, we have reached the top 10. Our countdown of the top 20 games of the year is at the halfway point, number 10 and number 9 today. Stay tuned. This is Locked On Brewers. You are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. This is Locked On Brewers. I'm Dominic Catronio, Bally Sports statistician, also former play-by-play broadcaster. As I'm joined, as always, by Vinny Rettino, former big league player turned broadcaster. And Vinny, we've got a lot to talk about with these two games. Very, very different points of the season. We've got opening day, and we've got the day that the Brewers clinched the playoffs. Uh, let's go back to opening day first and foremost. Obviously, it's the best feeling opening day being back and this opening day having such a bigger emphasis that fans were back in the stands. What do you remember going into the season about opening day? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was that. It was the fact that fans were in the stands. I mean, um, there were cardboard cutouts. I don't even think people remember what that was like, right? Cardboard cutouts God, the in worst. the stands with, with, uh, with dubbed in crowd noise and... My goodness, I remember watching a rookie ball game when I was a scout and listening to pumped-in crowd noise. I'm like, what is going on here? It was terrible. And so I can't imagine what that would have been like at a big league stadium. Obviously, we not, none of us actually experienced that in the stadium because none of us were allowed there. So um, so the fact that fans were back in the stands and it was, uh, it was quite the game. Uh, so it was, yeah, that's what I remember. It was fantastic to have that atmosphere. And, of course, Brewer fans remember this game so well because it ended in a walk-off with what turned out to be one of the more unlikeliest of, of players come year's end with uh, Orlando Arcia. But we'll get into that in a little bit. In the second game, of course, the New York Mets were in town. This was also finishing off a sweep of the Mets. This is going to be our number nine game today. Uh, this was the weird part, that that final homestand, right? The Brewers were so comfortable in the NL Central that all they had to do was win a handful of games on this 10-game homestand, and they would clinch the Central at home. It felt like it was going to be a party, and it took all the way to the last day of it because the Cardinals refused to lose during this. Uh, This New York Mets series was a lot of fun, and I think this was a series that you were working, correct? I was working this series, and I was hoping that I'd be able to get to work a game where the, the Brewers ended up clinching at home. And it, it, you had to wait until the last possible game, because, like you said, the the Cardinals all of a sudden turned in the 20, into the twenty seven Yankees, didn't lose, I think seventeen in a row, and I think most people were a little bit worried that the Brewers weren't going to win the Central because the Cardinals, the Brewers had to play the Cardinals after this series, and then they had to play the Dodgers, and. There was a very good chance, I think, if they didn't clinch against the Mets, that the Brewers weren't going to clinch the Central. So, thank goodness they did during this game. This was, was this was quite the game, and it was quite the celebration at the end. So, we're going to jump into both of these games. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Before we do that, we're going to tell you about our friends at Built Bar. Of course, Built Bar, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein, despite still being covered in 100% real chocolate it's the protein bar you actually want to grab for a snack and actually enjoy eating it doesn't taste chalky like other protein bars may have of course it is january still sticking with our new year's resolutions of course we're staying strong that middle you know when you hit that holiday when you hit mlk day on monday and you feel oh hey i got a three-day weekend i know this is that hard week to get back after it but built bar can help you get back after your new year's resolutions it's a healthy snack it's something that you can actually enjoy eating 
when you need a little sweet treat. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream. This this sounds like ice cream flavors, but it's a protein bar, and it actually tastes delicious. There's so many more. You can see them all at Built.com, and you can use the promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15, and you're going to get a 15% off offer thanks to our friends at Built.com. That's B-U-I-L-T.com, promo code LOCKED15. 15. That's locked one five, and you're going to get 15% off at built.com. Game number 10 on our countdown here, Vinny. We're going all the way back to the very beginning, opening day. I mean, it, it, we said at the top of the show, there's just something so magical about opening day every year, but this has had a little more weight to it. It's had a little more punch to it with fans being back in the stands, albeit at a limited capacity, but. Given the way 2020 ended, the limited series, uh, limited post or the limited season, make it to the postseason, really get just trounced by the Dodgers. It was a tough go of it. Didn't even host a game, obviously, because of the whole sights thing that was going on. It was tough, man. And actually, looking forward to opening day was something I was really excited about throughout all the spring training last year. And I was still in Arizona at this point, and I made sure to turn on this game on MLB TV and watch every single pitch. Holy cow, I was not disappointed. What were your fond memories of uh, leading into opening day? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was, it was was cool for me. I, I got to just tell you a little quick story about my own journey in the game is the fact that I had to leave scouting, family obligations. Obviously, I've th- for anybody that doesn't know, I have three little beautiful little girls at home that I'd do anything for and obviously a loving wife. And so I actually – quit the game that I love and I, and I quit scouting for, uh, I had to, right. So in 2019 I left and then I got a normal everyday, uh, job and, and, um, that's been great, but this was my chance to get back in the game. The fact that I could be on the broadcast team and do some pre post. So I actually took a day off work and came to this game myself and just watched it from the, from the broadcast booth. Um, uh, not the broadcast booth. I'm sorry. The, um, what am I? The press box. Watched from the press box mm-hmm. and watched it next to Tim Dillard and, and Craig Kashan. And, and it was a it was a magical day for me because, it was again, it was my way back into the game a little bit. But there it was electric. There was only 11,000 fans in the stands and it was absolutely electric. Um, I think many players and um, I think even on the broadcast, Brian Anderson and, and Rock were talking about how electric it was with only. Uh, a fifth of the stadium or a fourth of the stadium filled up. So that was what I really do remember um, from this game and and the lead up to the game. So the pitching matchup was Brandon Woodruff against Kenta Maeda. And Kenta was second in AL Cy Young voting in 2020 in the 60-game season. Needless to say, he did not follow up on that here in 2021. Just goes to show you how 60 games was such an anomaly, and you can't really judge an entire player you know, by one 60-game stretch. So much can change in that. Kenta did not have the year in 2021 that he wanted, but hey, he was still the opening day starter for the Minnesota Twins. And speaking of people who didn't end up having the year they wanted, the Minnesota Twins are probably the number one most disappointing team of 2021. Pakoda, the preseason projections, baseball prospectus, they had... The, the the Twins as favorites to win the AL Central, despite the revamped Chicago right. White Sox, of course. They were projected to win 91 games with 61% confidence. In fact, the White Sox were projected to finish third, even with Liam Hendricks uh, being added on. I, I, I just, it, looking back, it's obviously funny. Now, Minnesota did deal with injuries, but they never really had enough pitching. Uh, it, it's really shocking to see that the Twins ended up finishing last 
in the AL Central at the end, at the year's end. Watching this opening opening day game, you would have no idea that that would be the future because they looked like world beaters in the first four or five innings of this game. They did, and their lineup was formidable, right? I mean, obviously Josh Donaldson did get hurt for a, the majority of the season, so he wasn't he was more of a shell of himself, um, wasn't the version of himself that we've come to know and see from Josh Donaldson. Um, and obviously Luis Arise, he was an up-and-coming player. Obviously, you know, he, he just kind of had an average season. Um, Sano, Kepler, Buxton was hurt a lot. This is getting probably the most talented player uh, with as far as raw tools and talent in the entire game of baseball. Um, and so, yeah, you did not see these guys kind of have that great season. But I was I was nervous about the Twins coming into town because the Brewers – seems they don't always play the twins the best, right? So they always kind of, um, you know, play, I guess you could say they play to their level, but I mean, they've been really, really good. So um, they haven't had the most success against the twins. Maybe I'm biased, but uh, it just feels that way. But yeah, they did not. I was nervous about these, these games because um, the twins have a very formidable lineup. Like you said, Kenta Maeda has that nasty cutter multiple pitches for strikes. And so um, the fact that they could come away with a win on game one was a good sign for the Brewers. So let's get into the actual game. Four pitches, four pitches into the season, we had a candidate for the catch of the year. It obviously wasn't the end of the catch of the year, but four pitches into the year, Luis Urias has to make a diving catch to his right on a liner from Luis Arias, on a, on a liner that had an 80% hit probability, by the way. Remember, the headlines, of course, that Arias is going to be taking over short most likely, even though you still had Arcia. A lot of folks are wondering, like, can this dude be an everyday shortstop? I mean, shoot, four pitches in, he makes a play like that. Everyone was like, are you kidding me? This is how the season's going to start? Yeah, in fact, I remember that, again, I just full disclosure, I wasn't the biggest Luis Arias fan going into the season, especially with the season that he had last year. And, again, it was the 60-game shortened season. And so, you know, I, I was like, why is Orlando Arcia not starting at shortstop? Um, but Luis Arias kind of proved us all wrong with that first play of the season, that that incredible diving catch. I can't believe that he actually got to that ball, and neither just could StatCast believe it, obviously. So the 80% hit, hit probability, um, great athletic play by Arias, and we'd see that a bunch from him this year. So later in that first inning, it was a scoreless inning, but you mentioned Josh Donaldson as well. I remember when I was watching at home and Donaldson ripped that double down the line and he hit a second gear rounding first and boom, there goes the hammy. And man, April is, you know, the last week of camp and April are just, everyone's walking on thin ice, man. It's just, God, don't get hurt right now. Don't get hurt right now. Especially coming off 60 games. We Little did we know how many injuries that we would have in 2021. But, man, watching Josh Donaldson pull up going into second base, he'll be pulled in the bottom half of the inning. I feel for J.D., given I knew him back from the A's days when he was first coming up initially as a catcher, then became a third baseman and a perennial all-star. Man, that that was a wild moment, just thinking like, man, his first swing of the year, and boom, you're done. You're done for a few weeks. Yeah, and, you know, those are the kind of injuries when a player is of his age that does kind of nag at you and you're never really fully confident and really trust that that hammy's going to hold as a guy that pulled his hammy multiple times in that same age range it's very difficult to deal with it's difficult to deal with mentally and I wonder if Josh Donaldson was that was in the back of his mind all year long dealing with those hamstring issues 
Um, but yeah, that was crippling to the team, obviously. I mean, uh, you have Nelson Cruz as well in that lineup that did not start this game, um, obviously because he is a DH and this was played in an NL stadium this last year. Maybe that's the last time we'll have to see that. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, definitely crippling to the, to the team. And you wonder if it was kind of nagging at him all year. So, by the way, J.D.'s entering his age 36 season, still under contract with the Twins. But enough talk about the Twins. Brandon Woodruff got off to a little bit of a slow start in this game. There were base runners in almost every inning. And then, man, he had some bad luck hit him there in the third inning, if you recall, that he gave up a wild pitch while facing Max Kepler with on a 1-2 count that scored a run. And then on the very next pitch, Kepler hit a single to center field to score a run. Things, you know, he's one pitch away from getting out of the inning, and then two runs score on two pitches, one a wild pitch and the other a base hit. And then later, uh, after the the Brewers got a run on the board thanks to a bases-loaded walk, that Luis Arise with two strikes and two outs also gets an RBI single to center field. So all three runs scored with two outs and two strikes in the first four innings to make it a 3-1 to score. Man, like, to start off your season like that, it's got to be wearing on you mentally. Like, are you kidding me? I'm one pitch away and I get nothing? And I'll say this, okay, I, and I was, I'll, I'll, look, I, I'm, I was a type of scout that always admitted when he was wrong, probably to a fault. <laughs> um, but I was, I was very adamant of, about the fact that uh, Omar Narvaez was not on the same page with Brandon Woodruff. And I wasn't a big fan of Omar Narvaez until this last year. He really took a step for me defensively. He really took a step in the in his ability to be that really good game manager. And pitchers started to trust him and really rely on his you know ability to call a game. You could really see that maturation kind of take place from Omar Narvaez this year. I really think this first game had me worried that Omar Narvaez was not going to take that step. I did not see them... Him and Brandon Woodruff in a good rhythm. I, if if you recall, I think Brandon Woodruff mostly threw to either Manny Pena or Jacob Nottingham in 2020, and so they, in my opinion, they were not on the same page. Some balls were getting by Omar Narvaez, and yeah, I mean that's part of the thing with a catcher helping a pitcher get through some of those tough moments, especially with two outs. And you saw in that game one that. You know, again, maybe it, you can't blame it on Omar, but um, you can you can certainly point to the fact that maybe they weren't on the same page. Uh, a lot of time in between pitches, wasn't able to really execute and really trust what he was throwing. That's what I saw in that game one, and thank goodness Omar figured it out after that because they really he really started to get on the same page with those guys. But uh, that was glaring to me in that first game. So moving forward with Woodruff, he only pitches four innings in this opening day start. Six hits allowed, three runs all earned, and all three of those runs scored with two outs and two strikes on the batter. So tough day for him. But the cool thing about the Brewers is that they were planning on this slow rollout, six-man rotation with so many off days in the first month of the season. They realized Freddie Peralta was going to need to get some work in. So Freddie Peralta comes in in design, out of tandem. And what does he do for his six outs? He gets six <laughs> punch outs. That's what Freddie does. And everyone was kind of like, oh, wow, Freddie's coming out strong. He did walk three batters, to be fair, and also gave up uh, a triple to Max Kepler, but didn't allow a run nonetheless. Freddie, I'll, I'll always remember this. I, I, as I was getting ready to move to Milwaukee and I'm watching this game, like, man, I had seen him in the minors back in the Carolina Mudcats days, okay? This dude, I was looking like, man, this guy is even nastier in the big leagues. And I'm, I remember that whole month of April when he was really coming to his own. And I look back on this opening day. I mean, this was the young Freddie appearing, maybe a little too amped up for opening day. Three walks, 
Yes, you're always going to take the walks with him. But I think this is a really big moment for Freddie, the fact that he got out of a couple of jams in a tight ball game, being 3-1 to one for his two innings. And his offense rewarded him in the bottom of the fifth. But uh, I don't know, watching Freddie grow, starting with opening day, coming out of the bullpen, as he did for his first couple of years in, in the big leagues, I, I think it was a really cool moment to see where he started and how he finished the year with the Brewers. Yeah, because like you said, you didn't know if he was really going to. I remember actually, let me back up. I remember Craig Kashan and I were like, wait a minute. Why is he coming out of the bullpen? And I get it. The the days matched up. But you always wondered whether or not Freddie was really going to be given another chance to be a starting starting pitcher in this rotation. And the fact that he was coming out of the bullpen in this game made me wonder, like, okay, this is a test. He really hasn't, at this point, he has not established himself as a major league starting pitcher, believe it or not. The guy almost won the Cy Young. Uh, he could have, perhaps. I mean, obviously, he had some guys in front of him. But he did not even establish himself as a starter yet. Um, and they were talking about giving him a chance to be a starter in the big leagues at this point. Um they really wanted to see those other three pitches uh, kind of come along besides the fastball, and they did. And this was another example of how they, of, of where those pitches were at, and then where they, they started to really kind of, kind of evolve. And and he did a phenomenal job in this first outing of his, and obviously he took that into the rotation for the rest of the season. But yeah, it was, um, it was a guy. It's, he's always a guy you want on the mound, and, and I'm glad he was able to throw a couple innings in this game and kind of hold the the Twins at bay. Obviously, punching out six dudes. I mean, at, when Freddie's on, he is not only dominant; he's unhittable. Like the guy is literally that good when he is commanding his stuff. So he left five runners on base in his two innings of work, and you know he left the bases loaded in the sixth inning. Got out of two men on in scoring position in the in the fifth inning. Brewers got a run in the fifth inning thanks to an Omar Narvaez RBI single dealing with the shadows at that time of day uh, at, at American Family Field. But then the boom came from Byron Buxton in the seventh inning, who was batting sixth for some reason in this game. Byron Buxton hit a ball that still hasn't come down, I'm convinced. <laughs> uh, StatCast had it at 111 miles an hour, uh, 456 feet. It was his second longest homer of 2021 and only by one foot because he hit a ball like over the restaurant center field at target field later that year uh that was a crazy bomb too but this was the beginning of byron buxton's breaking out in the first couple months of the season granted he did get hurt and miss eventually more than half the season but i think people forget that byron buxton was a preliminary mvp for the first month and a half granted they don't give it out for a month and a half but right. in his first 27 games he hit 369 had an 1176 ops had 11 doubles, 10 homers, and he was a perfect 5-for-5 five five in stolen bases. This dude was on his way, and that's why he got 7 years and $100 million because when he's healthy, he is one of the game's best players, and he went boom off Eric Yardley, a two-run shot that really looked like it was going to be over. All right, it's going to spoil opening day. It's 5-2, uh, 5-2 Twins now, and, you know, now it's probably over yeah he thought it was over and obviously like you said this is kind of Buxton's coming out party for the year and if he didn't get hurt who knows who would have won the MVP but this guy's trout and then some when he is healthy and, and he's really coming into his own and maturing as a player he's actually fun to watch I actually really enjoyed watching him play live um, but it also juxtaposing that was with Eric Yardley's kind of uh, downfall really I mean um not to not to take anything away from Eric Yardley. He had a great year last year, but this was kind of um, 
you could see it that this guy wasn't really gonna help help the Brewers bullpen this year. He really couldn't find it. And th- that mistake to Buxton, he really really never recovered from from that. Really hung that slider, and he and uh, Buxton let him pay for it. So then the Brewers trying to respond. They go one, two, three in the seventh and eighth innings against the Twins bullpen. Taylor Rogers and uh, Hansel Robles. Now let me tell you about let me tell you about the Brewers bullpen in this game. Given they were already trailing after Yardley gave up the lead, that they had JP Fireisen pitch the eighth inning, and then they had Josh Lindblom pinch the top of the ninth because they're still trailing. It's still five to two, and then the chaos began in the bottom of the ninth inning. Alex Colomay is on the mound, closer for the Twins on opening day. And, in fact, he gets the first out. Daniel Robinson flies out. And then with an 0-2 count, goes back to that two-strike theme we were talking about, Colton Wong gets hit by a pitch. And all of a sudden, like, all right, that's the first base runner in three innings. The door is cracked open. And then Colomay just absolutely, you know what, into the bed. <laughs> Throws a ball past second base trying to get a little tweener from Keston here. It was going to be a tough play, but nonetheless, that's the hardest throw, I think, in all of sports that a pitcher throwing to second base on a ball that he has to field in front of the mound. So that keeps things going. Runners on first and second. And then Christian Yelich, man, oh, man. This ball, this liner to right field, off the bat, I jumped from my couch. I said, oh, my God, he's back. Obviously, it didn't leave the yard, but I thought he just hit a game-tying three-run homer in that moment in the bottom of the ninth. What was your reaction when you saw that in the press no, box? No, I thought it was I was I thought it was a homer without a doubt. Right off the bat, I thought that's that's the Christian Yelich homer, and I have conspiracy theory all around <laughs> that that ball was a dead <laughs> ball. But uh, that that's um, and or Orlando Arcia hit one I think that day or as well, or it was in that series that these balls were not the same balls. But um, I don't want to get too deep into those weeds but it wasn't the 2019 baseball that's for sure that ball was smoked off the bat I think it was 107 miles an hour off the bat it was a low liner but it almost got caught for crying out loud it didn't even make it to the wall obviously Kepler stopped it from going to the wall but I thought that was at least um a double off the wall easy and then uh, he almost caught it so anyway I thought that was definitely a game tying homer thank goodness Kepler didn't catch it So one run scored. It was only a single because Kepler got a piece of it. So first and second, then Avi grounds out, put runners at second and third with two outs. Travis Shaw, man, you felt the weight come off his shoulders when he hit this double into right center field, given how poorly it ended for him with his Brewers tenure, for him to be back with fans in the stands and rip that double into right center field to tie the game and force extra innings. Your heart went out to Travis because you could tell like that was a huge, huge kind of relief moment for Travis. He had a really, really rough 2019. Uh, the story is that he kind of went to one of the the hitting gurus that really kind of led him astray in 2000, in the offseason of 2019, trying to chase a little more power. He already hit two, 30 home runs in 2017 and 18. Didn't really need to do do much more than what he was doing. But, uh, yeah, he, he started pulling off the ball a little bit more in 2019 and 2020. And then this last year, I thought he was back. I thought I thought his swing was so much shorter and quicker, back to what we saw from him in 2017 and 2018. Uh, but it, that was on display in this swing uh, to, to tie up the game. I thought he was back. Obviously, it didn't really work out for him in the end. I know he had that injury, that knee injury uh, is why they had to let him go. But, um, yeah, that was a great swing, and it was uh, – you can kind of feel it coming during the game, right? Uh, it, was a, it was a hanging – what was that? A hanging uh, cutter, I believe, from looked like a spin, just a cement mixer, really. Olame, yeah. So that was great to see from from Shaw, and it was electric, like we we talked about in the stadium. 
So it ties the game. We're already going way too long on this opening day, but there's so much <laughs> yeah. fun little nuance of this. But two quick points, and I'll wrap it up with this. Josh Hader pitched the top of the 10th inning. Place runner era continues here in 2021. I found a crazy stat about Josh Hader while researching this game. Josh Hader has pitched with the placed runner three times in his career. He is three for three and not allowing a run. Like I, I can't explain how hard it is to jump in with a runner on second base and the game so tense. Josh Hader, man, you got you got to just tip your cap sometimes because he hit a hundred in this game for the first time in his career, and that dude left the left the winning run on third base. Man, appreciate it while he's here, man. Hater A is going to go down as one of the all-time greats. One of the all-time greats already. His numbers, just look at his numbers compared to, to some of yeah. the all-time greats. It's fun to watch. Like that's, that's a really cool statement that you just made. Appreciate him while he's here because, yeah, I mean, we're going to be talking about him in, in about 30 years, uh, just about how he pitched, and he was one of the best pitchers of all time, one of the best relievers of all time. He is going to go down that way because – in fact, how did he get better? He did get better this year. I don't know how, but he did it. Well, I, I know how. I mean, we broke it down a m number of times. He's kind of mixed his pitches up, and he's kind of uh, reined in that delivery a little bit more. He's a little bit more un under control. But, yeah, hitting 100 on the radar gun was impressive as can be. And, he, and it looked like he used less effort to get there. So that's what we did see from him this year as well. Pure adrenaline. And then, of course, small ball wins it. An infield grounder from Orlando Arcia, like a, almost a Baltimore chopped. Obviously didn't get through the infield, but nonetheless, I mean, that's what ended up winning the game for the Brewers and Arcia, who would, you know, eventually be DFA'd right. a couple of weeks later. Uh, it, it's kind of wild that I remember the Shaw hit more than I remember the Arcia walk-off. But, hey, it's an opening day walk-off, and everybody goes home happy. What people don't remember about that play was um, – Lorenzo Cain's base running play of uh, the read off mm -hmm. of the bat was phenomenal. As soon as he saw it down, he was in there and he scored that winning run. I'm, I'm blanking. It's Kane it, scored that run, not Wong, right? Yes, yeah. he did. No, you're yeah. right because he had a 29.3 feet per second sprint speed. I wrote that down. Uh, it was among his fastest of the year. Uh, he actually hit 30.7 later in the season, which was news to me. So that's, that's absolutely elite. Shout out to low Kane to see if he's healthy for 2022 okay that was a lot i mean take a deep breath real quick here Vinny, because you don't really you don't always get an opening day walk off so that i think that was warranted for how long we went on that game i mean it was warranted i mean it was an incredible incredible game there were so many things in the in the game there was a a comeback a three-run comeback and then there was a walk-off and obviously woodruff on the mound and uh, fans back in the stand so it was it was a really good game it was awesome. So Brewers win on opening day by a final of six to five. They would end up losing this series though. And the twins, they wouldn't never really get off the ground. They started off 12 and 19 and then ended up finishing last in the AL central. But Hey, nonetheless, you still got the win on opening day and that's all that people really remember. So, uh, as we get ready to move to our number nine game of our top 20 countdown, we're going to go all the way to the playoff clincher, all the way to September. So much happened in between these games. It's crazy to think about. But before we do that, Bet Online is where the game starts. Bet Online, they want to wish you a brand new happy betting year. Of course, we got NFL playoffs this weekend, NBA's in full swing. Sports are all where it's at, and Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports wagering action. They've got a brand new updated website. You can go online and use the promo code LOCKED ON, and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus when you use that promo code. 
So again, if you drop $100 for your first deposit, use the promo code Locked On. you're going to get $50 as a welcome bonus just for free, just by mentioning our name. All right, it's that simple. You've got everything, football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, casino games. They've got amazing offers all for 2022. It's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Game number nine, number nine. Here we go, Vinny. All the way to September, the clincher against the New York Mets. This was a lot of fun for me for a, a handful of reasons. Number one, you know, it's always fun to clinch at home, right? I mean, that's that's the most important thing, I think, for a lot of teams. If you could pick somewhere to clinch, it's going to be at home. But, but second, this was the culmination of a heck of a weekend. Remember, the night before, we honored Bob Uecker for, you know, 51 years in the booth. Goes out and does the pitching machine for the first pitch. <laughs> that day was Ryan Braun, you know, officially retiring and saying thank you to the to the Brewers fans, which was a touching moment. It was a nationally televised game on TBS that weekend too. So while BA wasn't, you know, in the Bally Sports booth and Jeff Levering delivered as always, BA got to call a Brewers clinching playoff moment on national TV. I think that was a cool little full circle moment. I didn't I didn't even know that actually. I, or maybe there I did go. know that, but yeah, that was definitely, that was definitely cool. And then obviously Ryan Braun was, Ryan Braun was honored before this game as well. I believe that's what I said. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I missed that. So crazy. Yeah. Maybe you had the eight behind the mound, the whole right. game. And you know, he's coming out there looking like the California boy he is with a clean fitted tux, got the whole family there, uh, said his thank yous to everybody. And it was a really cool moment. And I was really happy that Ryan could, you know, kind of close the book officially in front of the fans. And he mentioned it in the speech, how rare it is to play your entire career in one jersey in one city. And he was immensely grateful. And you could tell it was a it was a really cool moment for Ryan. And it really charged up the crowd, which is back to a sellout crowd. You go from opening day 11,000 to a sellout 38,000 plus. Uh, there was, you talk about energy, there was some energy in that ballpark even before a pitch was thrown. Yeah, there was. You could tell that the fans were really chomping at the bit to get this thing done and over with and get get it clinched at home. And the Brewers had only clinched at home two other times in their franchise history, um, it, a playoff spot. So that was um, that was pretty – and I was there for one of them as an opponent. I was, I was there in the dugout for the Miami Marlins. At that time, they were the Florida Marlin, Marlins in 2011 – and in fact, Ryan Braun had a, had a uh, either a go-ahead three-run homer or a walk-off three-run homer. Yeah, the go-ahead in the bottom of the yeah. eighth. So that was that was a, yeah, that was a bomb, an absolute bomb off the scoreboard. And so it was electric there. And obviously, Braun being there for the game. Uh, yeah, that was 2011, yeah. the last time they clinched at home. Yeah, pretty pretty crazy. Yep. Uh, going into the actual game itself, the magic number was one. All they had to do was win. It didn't matter what the Cardinals did. Uh, the Brewers. They uh, day game. They're going for the sweep, by the way, in this game as well. It was Cookie Carrasco making the start for the Mets against Freddie Peralta, uh, who was on a little bit of a pitch count since he was still coming off of his shoulder little flip at the end of August that we've already talked about in our games of the year, actually, too. But it was a good pitching matchup of righties, and it did not go according to plan for Freddie in the first inning. Francisco Lindor, two batters in, he hits a solo bomb to right field, and this was a crushed ball, uh, 427 feet to right field. It was his second longest home run of the season and Lindor who the night before had a golden sombrero. So of course that that's how he starts off the day game. Like, oh my gosh, here we go again. All we got to do is win one game trying to sweep the Mets and Lindor leads off with a homer. What do we got to do to clinch at home? 
Yeah, and like I said, I think fans were getting a little antsy. I was, personally. Like, I mean, six games left after this game, and you had to play St. Louis Cardinals who weren't losing, and then the Dodgers who actually had a lot to play for because they wanted to win the division against the Giants after winning over 100 games. So um, the Brewers were not in for an easy road after this game. So you wanted them to win this game, and then Lindor leads off with a homer. I didn't feel good about the game at this point. Yeah, not one bit. Now, of course, who comes to save the day? None other than Willie Adamas. I tweeted this video uh, last night as a tease for this episode. Willie goes yard to left. And remember, Willie was dealing with his quad issue at the end of the year. He had that. He had a, a week and a half right. off. He missed, missed some time dealing with his leg, trying to make sure he was going to be 100% for the playoffs. And this was kind of the swing. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's healthy. He's back. Uh, the metrics on it, 108.7 miles an hour off the bat. And 434 feet. Also, his second longest home run of 2021. Uh, Absolute no-doubt blast. And that was the swing, I think, that settled down the crowd, settled down the dugout. Can Can you tell us what it's like when the guy that's been delivering all season long does it again when you're not even expecting it, really? I mean, it's not fair to say you expect a guy to hit a home run, but then he does that, and you're like, oh, yeah, of course it was Willie, right? Is that is that a fair thing to, that you guys are feeling in the dugout? Yeah, I mean, he answered he, – he had an answer for everything that the opponent, you know, kind of brought against the Brewers all season long, and that was what was so cool about Willie Adamas. And I think you, you mentioned a B.A. during one of the broadcasts, and you brought it up on this show a bunch about how he was the best hitter – after the seventh inning in the in the big leagues or when in late and close yeah he was the best in the nl at late and close situations and i i wonder what the stat would be on kind of answering when a team had a big inning the inning before and then willie adamas kind of answers back i mean you saw him do this all year long not only with like rbi singles or doubles i mean he had bombs he's like okay i gotta hit a homer now and that's what he did he did it all year long and he obviously did it in this game and that was a bomb you could tell he was kind of cheating for a fastball. Carrasco can still run it up there. I mean, he was like, you know, pumping 93, 94, 95, and Willie Adamas was ready for it and put a charge into it big time. So that makes it 2-1 to one Brewers after one inning, and then the wheels kind of came off for Carrasco in the second inning. Uh, a leadoff single for Lorenzo Cain, a couple of walks, and then Yelich with the bases loaded ended up grounding out, but it brings home a run. But then Eduardo Escobar, who... You know, obviously now he's going to go to the Mets and be a teammate with Carrasco, but he gets a two-run single, and then the Mets kind of kicked it around and allowed him to get the second base. Boom, all of the tension in the ballpark is gone. It's all Brewers energy. All of a sudden, the score is 5-1. to one. You've got Freddy Peralta on the mound. The Mets look absolutely dejected. They just made a careless error to allow another run to score. This... I think looking around in the booth, like yeah, it's over. The Brewers are gonna clinch. You know, put up the put up the plastic in the locker room, right? Let's get the champagne on ice. Let's go. Let's do this. No, that's what that's what I certainly felt like at this point. You all, you felt really good about this game. You felt really good about what they accomplished. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was uh, the Mets were a team that were underperformed, right? I mean, especially late. Oh, yeah. It looked like a different club from when they played them earlier in the year. I think they played them in June in at City Field in Queens, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, it was, uh, a different ball club, a different feeling ball club, even though they added Javier Baez and added a couple other pieces as well. Um, but yeah, good thing. The Brewers got the, the Met, this version of the Mets today, that day. 
Well, to your point, the Mets were 72-72 and 72 and still on the fringe of the second NL wildcard spot before the Cardinals went on their crazy run, right? Uh, from when they started, when they were 72-72, and 72, they finished the year 5-15 and 15 mm. from that point. Uh, it, it took them out. It cost Luis Rojas his job. Uh, now they've got Buck Showalter running the helm. And, hey, it is what it is. The Brewers will take the sweep happily and move on. See you next year, guys. In fact, they'll be the last homestand next season as well as it stands right now. But, yeah, you're right. They absolutely underperformed. And you, what, looking at the clips of the dugout and looking what they were going through in their faces during all this, it was just like, wow. You know, you, you, I could see Marcus Stroman on the top step for most of the game just kind of watching – kind of really just kind of beat up like geez Javier Baez was you know trying to ignite some life into it and he had that double and was kind of egging on the crowd to bring the booze <laughs> on because of course Brewers fans hate Javier Baez I love that moment <laughs> but you could tell the rest of this team was just not into it no one was performing the way that they were supposed to that year and the Mets are kind of going all in the next two years so we'll see what happens for them and how the NL battle could shake out with them uh, I don't think we're done with the Mets as far as the future holds but yeah this was a really really weird series they did make it interesting to be fair it got to 5-4 at one point heading into the sixth inning uh an rbi from kevin pilar also had the Baez two-run double but then instantly the brewers just calmed the waters again adamas lo and behold uh he gets an a run scored on a throwing error uh it was a poor throw I forget who was playing third in this game. It was game, VR. But it, it was VR. It, it was yeah. VR. So VR makes a poor throw that Alonzo can't pick, uh, or excuse me, that poor throw that Alonzo can't knock down. And then later in the inning, Escobar hits a grounder to short that Baez throws low that Alonzo can't pick. So two errors scored a couple of runs there in the sixth inning. And again, the dejected faces continue. It's now 8-4, to four, and there's no looking back from here. You know what's waiting in the bullpen. Devin Williams had the eighth, one, two, three, eighth. And then Josh Hader locks it down in the ninth. A pair of strikeouts. I was hoping he was going to strike out the side. He got Nimmo on an 0-1 count, but then he swung and flew out to left. Yelich made the catch. Levering had the call. It was great. Hearing all three calls was really, really fun. Uh, I was in the back of the booth, and I was just recording. Because uh, the way things are arranged in, in the television booth is that, you know, the guys, Rock and Jeff, they have the lower level, right? They have the camera down there. They've got their monitors, and it's a big setup. Whereas Renee, our stage manager, and myself, we're on the top level. So if I have to give a note to them, I just put it up. We have a little Zoom call going. But I'm just, I have this great, great angle of recording Bill, or, you know, Rock and, and Jeff are standing. And I'm just like, I'm just going to record this, you know, of this moment, whatever, this crowd and everything. And it went viral on Brewers Twitter. And it was a lot of fun. But I just, I'm, I'm always going to soak in that moment. And man, I was just, that was the moment for me, like, Obviously, I'm new to town, and I'm still learning, you know, how important the Brewers are to this yeah. city. That was a moment to me. It's like, wow, this is a this is a city that loves its team. Obviously, the Bucks had already won the championship, which certainly helped kind of rally sports in this town. But, man, I get it, man. This is an incredible market. I'm so grateful to be in it. And watching this, you know, celebration unfold was was truly magical. What were your thoughts watching from the right field? Corner? Yeah, well, we're gonna turn you into a cheeser before long, Dom, for sure. So, I mean, <laughs> this is uh, this was a culmination of what the Brewers showed all season long, and like you said, what this team means to this city. People just love their Brewers. They love their Brewers, Bucks, and Packers, really. And at this point, I thought. After the Bucks won the championship, I thought there was going to be a battle between Tampa Bay and Milwaukee. Who's going to win more championships? Obviously, the Tampa Bay Lightning already won. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers already won. So I yeah, Tampa Bay. What's that? 
it was Champa Bay for yeah. a while there, you know, back-to-back Stanley Cups in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and then I thought it was going to be between the Brewers and the Rays to see who could win more championships because, of course, the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl in a few weeks. So, um, yeah, I thought, uh, I mean, this is this was such a cool celebration to see, especially knowing that the, the, the Brewers lo- just lost four in a row to the Cardinals and then they bounce back and sweep the Mets in order to do it at home. You could, you could sense from this ball club that they wanted to do it in front of the fans as well. There was a sense of urgency from this ball club to do it in front of the fans. Um, and it was a really, really cool moment. I mean, it was snowing confetti from the top, top rafters. Whoever was, that was really cool. a little bit f- fearful of heights and I was actually even fearful for the people up there in the rafters dumping the confetti on us. It was super cool. I mean, again, it was snowing in you know late September in Milwaukee at AmFam Field of confetti, and it was such a cool moment. You could tell the, fan- the, the players were soaking it in. Smoking some stogies and on the field and, and pouring champagne all over each other, um, it was such a cool moment. What's it like, you know? And we'll wrap up this episode with this. What's it like, you know? Have you been in the dugout celebration where you know you you clinch a playoff spot and you get to enjoy it? What what is that like in your eyes? So I'll tell you, I've done it a number of times in the minor leagues, and that even in the minor leagues, it is so cool. Have you? Have yeah, you, I've done it twice in the minors. I'm with you there. Yeah, I mean, and you know, as a play-by-play guy, that you are you are a part of the team in the minor leagues. I mean, you are. Part it's not about me. I asked you. I, I asked you. I know, but I was. I'm saying. I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to compare the minor league celebration to what it would be like in the big leagues, which I experienced one of those. I was there on the team in 2008. I got one at bat when the Milwaukee Brewers clinched a playoff berth for the first time since 1982, I believe. Yeah, I think that was the last time the Brewers clinched the playoffs uh, spot. It was 2000, 1982 all the way to 2008. And I was there on the team, and I was on the field, and I was in the dugout. And, again, I wasn't – my call-ups with the Brewers were kind of like a pat on the back. Like, hey, great job. We're going to get your feet wet up here in the big leagues. Great job in the minor leagues. But uh, go ahead and take a seat on the bench. You might pinch hit a couple times. Again, I got one at-bat that year. But it felt like I was part of that team. It felt like I was a part of that group that clinched that spot. And it was one of the coolest moments in my baseball career to be there in the dugout and in the clubhouse, you know, getting champagne sprayed all over you and, you know, giving everybody high fives and hugs. It was a really cool moment to be a part of. It's epic. I, I can't explain it. The champagne burns so good. Uh, there's a reason they wear these massive goggles. It does burn, man. Yeah. It abs- and it gets sticky everywhere. It's just, it's so worth it, man. It's the best. I hope everybody can experience it one day. And I hope it'll be for a World Series here in 2022, uh, if not this year and in, in the near future. Uh, okay, this was a mega episode, Vinny. We, we talked a lot about these two games. If this is what the top 10 is going to be like, <laughs> oh, man, we better we better find a way to, con- to, to chop this down. <laughs> we will strap in, everybody, uh, because there's more. I love talking about these games, man. I'll just, there's so many little details, and these are two good ones. You know, top 10, here we are, number 10, the opening day walk-off. Number 9, clinching the playoffs against the New York Mets. Next week, we'll be back with number eight and number seven. Uh, one of these games is obvious in next week's, and the other game is not so obvious because then the rest of the top ten is very obvious. I think this next game next week is really going to surprise you. We're going to tease that throughout the week. But Vinny, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, hope you have a great weekend. Anything crazy happening this weekend? Um, you know what? I don't know at this point. So, yeah, we'll probably, you know, I, I, like I said, I mentioned the the kids and the and... <laughs> 
home life is never boring here at the Rotino household. So we got to have you over, Dom, for, for uh, Italian. I make a phenomenal meatball. Someone wants to ever come over, Dom, you're, you're invited next time I cook up some meatballs for you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Monja, as we say in the Italian culture. He's Vinny Rotino. I'm Dominic Catroni. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter. He's at Vinny Rotino with two Ts. I'm at Dom underscore Catronio. If you're watching on YouTube, you see it right below us. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe as well wherever you get your podcasts and rate us as well. It actually goes a, mo- a lot longer way than you think. I know it seems so innocent, but it really does help. Drop a five star if you so feel so. You can drop a four. It won't hurt my feelings, but I appreciate you listening and dropping a rating for us as well. But we really would appreciate you guys and continued support. We really do appreciate it. We can't wait for what's to come. Whatever baseball decides, we're 70 days till opening day, allegedly. So hopefully we make it there. Uh, for Vinny, I'm Dom. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week on Monday. You are locked on Brewers. Your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.